Good evening, race fans, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Push to Pass podcast. As always, I am Derek Vance, your host, and what a great show that we have in store uh, for you this evening. Uh, obviously, we're going to go through and recap the Honda Indy Toronto race that uh, took place uh, just this past weekend. Uh, as well, we will preview the one and only double header uh, taking place this weekend at the Iowa uh, Motor Speedway as well. Uh, also in the uh, show this evening, we're going to be joined by uh, Jake Query of the Query and Schultz. And then he is also one of the announcers, many announcers, uh, as uh, Mark James alluded to in an earlier show uh, on the IndyCar radio network. So can't wait to hear uh, from Jake. And then as always, uh, before we close out uh, tonight's show, uh, we're going to hear from Mike of Bet IndyCar uh, to see how he did uh, last week there at uh, at Toronto, and then uh, looking forward this weekend to the doubleheader that is the Iowa Speedway. But uh, before we get into anything, obviously, uh, we do need to uh, preview the, uh, not, excuse me, we need to recap uh, what was the Honda Indy Toronto last weekend. And as you see behind me, uh, you know, Scott Dixon said drought, uh, what drought, uh, Scott Dixon on Sunday, uh, broke into victory lane for the first time this year, uh, the fourth time, uh, in his career at Toronto. And then also, uh, moving ever so closely to the all time wins record, uh, which on Sunday, uh, he tied the great Mario Andretti for second all time in IndyCar wins with 52. The six-time champion overtook pole sitter Colton Herta and then never looked back in the uh, contact-filled contest uh, last Sunday. Uh, as I mentioned, Dixon did earn his first victory uh, since May 2001 at the Texas Motor Speedway, uh, which is a span of 23 races. Uh, keep in mind, that is the second-longest winless streak of his illustrious career. Uh, also, too, by capturing the Honda Indy Toronto on Sunday, um, or excuse me, uh, by capturing the uh, Honda Indy, Indy Toronto on Sunday. Uh, also, too, Dixon drove his number nine PNC Bank Chip Ganassi Racing Honda to victory lane by just 0.81 seconds uh, over uh, pole sitter Col Colton Herta, rather, uh, in his number 26 Gain Bridge Honda. Uh, for the majority of the race, Dixon closely followed Herta in the opening stages of the 85 lap race and, and then uh, picked his uh, picked his mark to strike and pounced after pitting one lap uh, before Herta did. Uh, slightly slowed in the pit lane, uh, Herta emerged on cold tires and watched Dixon as Dixon sailed by him heading into turn number one. Uh, the battle for the win was all but settled after the first round of pit stops uh, as the New Zealander built, lost, and regained a lead of two seconds or more over Herta during multiple caution flags on Sunday. Uh, also, to the victory marked, uh, the, excuse me, the victory also was, uh, as I said, Dixon's 52nd of his career, and as I mentioned, tying him with the legendary Mario Andretti uh, for number two all time on the N on the NTT IndyCar Series win list. Uh, just ahead of them, AJ Foyt sits with 67 wins. Uh, also noted as well, uh, this was Scott Dixon's fourth career. A Toronto victory, extending his streak to 18 consecutive NTT IndyCar Series seasons uh, with at least one victory. And he has also won a race in a record 20 seasons overall. Uh, before we get to um, the results uh, from Sunday's race, let's hear from some of the drivers uh, that uh, took part in the uh, Honda Indy Toronto race this past Sunday. Not a bad end. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had a bit of damage overtaking another car on the straight, and unfortunately, they just moved a little bit, and I caught the front wing on the on their rear tire. Um, after that, I think we were a lap down, uh, managed to come back, putting in some great laps and uh, some good moves to get back to P14. Almost got Rena to P13, but yeah, we we had a good car, great speed. Um, 
it's, it's kind of a bittersweet because it was a great great drive but there was a lot more probably out of it in the result if we didn't have that uh, incident at the beginning so big thanks to the team uh, I think we had a good car this weekend definitely definitely one of the faster ones um, yeah good, good result so thanks to thanks to the team thanks to Team Chevy awesome recovery Awesome recovery today, uh, P7, well, great, great race, um, amazing strategy from the, the stand, Mike Shank, and obviously, um, yeah, I'm so proud of the whole team for great pit stops, we, uh, you know, Toronto is usually madness, and I feel like we, uh, we extracted the best out of what we could do today, um, P7 in the end, uh, with a great race car, um, and I feel the momentum of the team, so uh, very excited for the race that are coming up, we have races every weekend, uh, the next, uh, next three, so, um, we are looking to uh, to be doing very well in Iowa next week. We started well. We started well, conservative, lost few positions, gained few positions. It was kind of like insane. And then the strategy start playing in. People start pitting early. We got stuck a little bit over one of the cars, but as soon as they clear left, boom, we went for it. And on a pit exchange, sounds like we came back on the same place, um, which is a shame because the car was actually decent enough. Then it was me in between uh, Will, uh, kind of like a little rivalry from, from back then, and uh, it just wasn't making it easy. So, yep, and then uh, we lost a couple of spots over there because of that. The rear started going away, but the car is distant. Um, in the end of the day, we did have a good pace, but it wasn't for us. At least Simon uh, showed that what the car can do, finishing the top 10, which is great. So, now let's go for the next for Iowa. Unfortunate finish to the day. Um, we just had too much damage with contact uh, late in the race to, uh, to continue on. But um, I really felt like uh, we were setting up for a nice finish, had a great strategy. Um, unfortunately, I had a speeding violation early in the race that uh, kind of put us in the back, but still then hanging on and, and in the group racing, having some fun, and just kind of got caught up in a street racing incident uh, and too much damage and had to retire the car. All right, we, uh, we just finished the race here and I survived no blisters this time. Um, that was kind of my main worry going into it, but there was thankfully a good amount of yellows and I think it stopped the blisters from forming. But overall, I was very happy with the, how the race went. We, uh, we managed to do a very early undercut and I was pushing like crazy on, on, the, on the second stint on the primaries and we managed to gain a few positions and then uh, we really had to do a massive fuel save and tire save to make that long stint, that middle stint. And, you know, I, I think it went very well. We did lose a few positions here and there, but I did learn a lot on how to judge when the car is going to make a move from behind me and how to get on that button. But overall, I learned a lot. And once again, I think it was a good a good gain. You know, it's just unfortunate on that last pit stop when it was all chaotic, we managed to, to make a bit of a mistake on our part. So we lost a few positions there. But overall, I mean, again, you know, we, we learned a lot. You know, I feel like just this one race, I matured probably another 20 years of my life. So thank you to the whole team. I will see you guys at Iowa. A huge thank you to all of those uh, fellow drivers uh, that were able to uh, give uh, us uh, here on uh, Push to Pass a little bit of insight uh, as to what they uh, what they were seeing, what they were feeling uh, at uh, the uh, during the race rather this past Sunday. Uh, taking a look at uh, at the results here uh, real quick, and then we'll get into uh, what the points and how are they shook out uh, after uh, this race in in Toronto. Uh, again, uh, Scott Dixon was your race winner, uh, followed by Colton Herta, uh, Felix Rosenquist. A uh, great run for Graham Rahal, uh, uh, finishing in the top five. Uh, Indy 500 champion Marcus Erickson rounded out the top five. And then you had uh, Alex Pillow. Uh, what a whirlwind he's been in uh, the last uh, few weeks. Uh, Simon Pagino, who you heard from as well. Uh, the highest uh, finishing rookie uh, was uh, Christian Lungard at, uh, at number eight. Um, number nine, Scott McLaughlin. And then rounding out the top ten was joseph newgarden uh in 11 uh pato award uh david malukas followed him in 12 that you just heard from uh renus vk in 13th callum eilat in 14th will power just couldn't find uh, find his groove uh this week and uh, finishing in 15th uh roman grosjean was 16th uh elio castroneves was 17th uh delvin de francesca was 18th Jack Harvey was 19th, and Connor Daly rounded out the top 20. Uh, 21st, Jimmy Johnson. 22nd, Kyle Kirkwood. 23rd, Alex Alexander Rossi. Uh, 24th, Dalton Kellett. 
And then the first car to retire, finishing 25th, was Takuma Sato. So uh, taking a look at to see how uh, the points um, finished out uh, after the uh, Honda Indy uh, Toronto, as you see up on your screen. Uh, Marcus Erickson in first place, 351 points. Uh, second, Will Power, 316 points. Alex Pillow, third with 314 points. Uh, Joseph Newgarden with 307 points. Uh, fifth, Scott Dixon, uh, 307 points as well. Uh, sixth, Pato Award with 276 points. Uh, seventh, Scott McLaughlin, 274 points. Uh, eight, Colton Herta, 254 points. Ninth, Felix Rosenquist, 244 points, and then rounding out the top 10, Simon Pagano with 243 points. Uh, as you see up there in the top right corner, uh, in the rookie standings, leading all rookies uh, right now is uh, the number 30 car, Christian Lungard, uh, driver of the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Honda with 183 points points so uh, that is how things have shaken have shooken out uh, rather after the uh, Toronto race and uh, gonna be quite uh, quite exciting uh, to uh, to see now as we move ahead to um, uh, to Iowa and, and like I mentioned at the uh, the beginning of the show there uh, this is the one and only uh, time that we are going to have a double weekend there at the Iowa Mo Iowa Speedway rather and uh, we'll we'll be previewing that here momentarily obviously we're going to have uh, Jay Creary uh, join us um, announcer of the uh, IndyCar Radio Network uh, he's going to uh, to uh, stop by here uh, momentarily and uh, and have a little bit of a discussion and I'm sure that'll be one of many things uh, that uh, that we're going to uh, bring up uh, this evening, so uh, just waiting for uh, for him to uh, to stop by. Uh, we'll give a little bit uh, a little bit of a breakdown of uh, of Iowa uh, while we wait on uh, on uh, Jake to uh, to join us. Uh, the uh, NTT IndyCar Series does move into the Hawkeye State, as I mentioned, for a rare doubleheader weekend at the Iowa Speedway for the not one but two races this weekend the hivydeals.com 250 uh, presented by DoorDash on Saturday and then on Sunday uh, the Hivey Salute to Farmers 300 uh, presented by Google and as i mentioned that is uh, July 23rd and 24th uh, there are 26 drivers who have entered uh, both races this weekend uh, they look to conquer the 7.8 mile or 0.894 mile oval uh, with 250 laps on Saturday and 300 laps on Sunday. So uh, we will uh, get back into the uh, Iowa preview uh, as we uh, move along. Uh, but I do see that our first guest of today uh, has uh, has joined us. Uh, you can catch this gentleman, uh, huge uh, local radio following uh, here in uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, also uh, co-host uh, with uh, Derek Schultz of the uh, Query and Schultz uh, show uh, daily. I know we'll probably talk about that uh, as the uh, the show rolls on. And then also to uh, one of the many announcers that makes it possible uh, for the IndyCar Radio Network to do the amazing work uh, that they do week in and week out. Uh, Jake Query is joining us. And, and Jake, first and foremost, uh, let me say a huge thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. I know, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks uh, are, are definitely going to be uh, uh, busy uh, for you and, and for the rest of the crew. So a huge thank you for taking time out of your day to, uh, to join us uh, for people that uh, don't know you. And that's a shame that they don't uh, <laughs> just a little bit of, of insight uh, as to what it's like being, uh, being Jay Creary. Huh. I've never been asked it that way. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you can hear me. Okay. I know the lighting is not the greatest. Um, here, I've never been a TV guru in terms of setting stuff up. But listen, Derek, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, in terms of what life is like for me, I'm a couple of months from 50 years old. Um, you know, listen, I, I enjoy the privilege of being able to call IndyCar races and travel with the series and go and, and watch the races and be able to try to bring them for those that are not there that want to be able to listen to the race. And, you know, the interest in the sport itself and in what we do on the radio network, to me, is not lost on me how grateful I am and... You know, I know it's a privilege to be able to go to the races, to call them, 
Um, it's something that as a kid growing up in Indianapolis, I always dreamed of being on the 8500 broadcast. I never thought that that would parlay into, you know, over 225 races now in my career in terms of the totality of the season. And then I, you know, listen, I, I do a morning radio show here in Indy talking about all sports and excluding the fact that it's the first time since I was a senior at North Central High School 31 years ago that I've been up before seven o'clock in the morning, which I had to get used to when I got the job in November. But um, excluding that, man, I'm very lucky. I know I'm lucky and I'm going to ride it out for as long as I can. Yeah, you, you touched on, um, you know, being a part of, of the IndyCar radio network. And, and as long as you've done that, um, I've had uh, your your boss and, and co-worker uh, Mark James on and, and he was discussing the integral how everything works. And I was just so blown away. And I complimented not only him, uh, but you and, and everyone else, just for the simple fact that, as you mentioned, you know, all you're trying to do is, you know, paint a picture for people that, you know, can't make it to the race and, and what you're seeing. And, and you, Mark, and everyone else, like I told him, do such an amazing job. And sometimes when I can't make it, uh, my coverage is based on what you guys are seeing, what you guys are talking about. So you are definitely a huge asset. And I hope that uh, you definitely get recognized uh, from track to track where you guys go. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, listen, we are guys that, you know, like we're getting ready for Iowa, obviously. Um, we're all traveling. We're all, we're all you know, going to be there. And so we've already made our plans of, hey, what do we want to do when we're not at the racetrack? Because we all get along. I mean, I think that's the key. And, I, and hopefully that comes off in our broadcast. You know, we are nothing more than just a group of guys that are buddies with one another, that are enjoying weekends in the summertime together at great, you know, energies and great venues to be able to watch racing. And then that kind of, I hopefully, carries over into the broadcast into a natural enthusiasm and energy um, and making it sound exciting for the listeners and also giving them the information that's necessary. I think, you know, my job's easy. The guys in the pits, you know, everybody from, at times, Nick Yeoman and I rotate in the pits and then Michael Young's in the pits at times, Alex Wolf, Ryan Marine, Joel Sebastianelli, Dan Rusinowski at times. You know, we've got a, a wide array of guys that do this, Rob Blackman. Those guys have the real job because they've got to relay information quickly. They've got to do it in a matter of eight to 10 seconds, the same amount of time it takes to get, you know, the fuel and the tires on the car. And they've also got to be able to acquire that information and oftentimes talk to drivers when drivers don't want to be talked to after an incident on track. So it all comes together, hopefully, for a good broadcast and one that not only informs people what's going on, but but gives them the energy and the excitement of what we're watching. Yeah, you, you guys, like I said, um, I, I don't know if I can, you know, obviously put into exact words uh, the, the work that you guys put in and, and you just make you make it seem like it's so easy. But talking to Mark, it, it just seems like it's, um, you know, uh, uh, chaos uh, is what it seems like at times. I guess it's an organized chaos, but I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I can't speak for Mark. I can't speak for Nick or, or for Michael or Kristen Airy, you know, the guys that I do the turns with in Indy. But to, to me, it is easy. To me, it's the easiest job in the world because I'm having fun. I'm with guys I trust that I know. Um, you know, the only hard part is to make sure that, that my eyes are communicating with my mouth what I'm seeing. Um, and if something goes totally awry on the racetrack, that I don't use a profanity, knock on wood. Um, but other than that, to me, it is, it, it's a really easy job. The hardest part is getting there, making sure that we're there in time and in position. And then after that, you just, it's a matter of, it's no different than watching a race with your buddies. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, let, let's first get into, uh, Toronto this past weekend. I know it's been a few years, uh, since IndyCar was up there. So only, you know, a handful of drivers, obviously going into, uh, to first practice, you know, had an idea as to what, uh, what Toronto was going to bring. Uh, what did you see and, and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what you thought of that, uh, that race on Sunday? Well, you know, one of the interesting things to me, Derek, about Toronto was the fact that, and I hate to say it this way, because this is the time of year, usually around mid-Ohio, is when Scott Dixon really starts to get into groove, right? And we were coming off of mid-Ohio, and obviously he's been very good this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's been off the map or off the radar. But, you know, there is a part of me, and this is just – this is not a knock on Scott Dixon at all. As a matter of fact, I guess it's a credit to him that I'm almost embarrassed or have to give a disclaimer to saying this. But there was a part of me that started to wonder – okay, is Father Time finally catching up to Scott Dixon? Are we going to go a year here without seeing him win a race? And then, of course, what happens? But he gets the win in Toronto, and now he puts himself back in position to get into groove. So, And he did it in typical Scott Dixon fashion, right? I mean, he qualified well, but, you know, he waited until there was an opportunity to get himself up towards the front, and then he and Mike, you know, he and the guys come up with a great strategy um, and are able to just maintain up towards the front. As a matter of fact, really kind of pull away. I mean, some cautions bunch things up a little bit, but – 
I, I thought he was, you know, obviously really impressive. Outside of that, the other storyline, I think, for the weekend, aside from the obvious Alex Pillow storyline, is that of their teammate, you know, Marcus Erickson, because Erickson, you know, he put himself in great position with the double points race at Indy to get that points lead. And Derek, let's be real, man. I mean, Will Power said it at the beginning of the year, look, you stockpile a bunch of top fives, you can win yourself a championship. That's exactly what Erickson's doing. I mean, he may not be blowing you away from race to race, but he's consistent. He's up towards the front. And, and I think his ability to know kind of when to go and when to lay back and just bring it home safely and inside like the top eight is going to do, you know, serve him well. And look, he's not relinquishing that points lead. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. First, going back to your point about uh, Scott Dixon, you know, obviously if it wasn't for one hiccup, uh, we're talking uh, Scott Dixon being, an, again, another Indianapolis 500 winner. That's how close he was. But but I, I think you're absolutely right talking about, you know, going into uh, the second half of the year, uh, you know, bringing that uh, that story up. Is Scott Dixon, is father time, like you said, catching up with him? And I'm and I'm I'm guilty of that myself. You know, we're rowing the same boat there. I thought the same thing. I said, if it's not now, then when is it? And and as you said, Scott Dixon comes out and does what Scott Dixon does. Um, you know, uh, qualifies well and then just uh, cruises. Uh, it seems like after that uh, that pit stop there, that he overtook the lead from Colton Herta. Which, no, you know, credit to Colton Herta, he had one of the best cars. He absolutely did. But uh, Scott Dixon did what Scott Dixon does and then ties the uh, the great uh, Mario Andretti. Uh, let's not uh, forget that, uh, the all-time list, second with uh, 52. Uh, you know, he's still got a little bit of ways to go yet uh, to catch A.J. Foyt, but uh, yeah. you know what? Yeah, I, I, at, at this point, you can't put it past uh, Scott Dixon. And, and then you talk about Marcus Erickson. You want to talk about somebody that that may be playing the the underdog card? Because when you talk about top drivers in IndyCar right now, I'm sorry, but Mar Marcus Erickson's name is just not being thrown around. Oh, no question. And that's what I mean. I mean, and it's, you know, not unlike Derek, let's be real, not unlike Pelot a year ago, right? I mean, Alex Pelot was relatively, I hate to say unknown, because I remember, I remember Alex Pelot's first year when he was with Dale Coyne. And I, I asked another driver, I said, you know, I'm going to sound crazy here, but like, I think this Alex Pelot guy's pretty good. And I don't know anything about, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. And they were back and like, no, no, no. Yeah, Polo is very highly thought of. And then it comes together for him. And even in last year, I remember people were kind of wondering, waiting for when he was going to wilt right down the stretch and when the pressure was going to get to him. And he was never caught up in that moment. And that that feels like Marcus Erickson, right? I mean, you know, I know that Erickson obviously comes from the background of Formula One. So people knew who he was. But in terms of the IndyCar competitiveness and being up front, you know, it's interesting this year for the 500, and I've shared this story a couple of times, but when I'm up in the turns, and I call turn three for the radio network for the 500, and the way I do it is I just have a legal pad, and I write down like one through eight, and I occasionally, I mean, every 15 or 20 laps, when I think of it, I write down the top eight to remind myself who's running in the top eight, and then that way on restarts or things like that, if I look down the straightaway and I see somebody pop out of line, I can, you know, I can look at it in my eye and, okay, that's sixth six car back, you know, running sixth is, you know, whoever, right? Like Polo, whatever it might be. And I went back after the race and I was looking at that. And I think I'd written down the top eight, like 18 times at different points in the race. And of the 18 times that I wrote down the top eight, Marcus Erickson was on all 18 sheets. I think he was the only one that was actually. And Elio was that way last year. So my point being, you know, he, he just ran the, the Indy 500 kind of capsulated right now his year, right? And the fact that he just was there the whole day and kind of let stuff come around and, and, and move up and slide down beside him. But in the end, he never wavered, and he was right there. And I think that when in terms of this points championship, he may well be like that. I mean, we might see, you, you know, I mean, at one point it was Pato, and, you know, now maybe it's, you know, Newgarden or Power. They're going to be right up there with him, and maybe they'll fluctuate around a little bit. But But he's managed to keep himself right there in that front pack and he's got a good advantage because of that double points race. So long as attrition doesn't bite him, um, if he continues to do what he has been doing, he's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And one final point on Erickson, it just come to my mind. You know, he has the points lead, obviously, going into Iowa this weekend. And you want to have, you know, you talk about having experience to bounce off in the stretch that he's going to have here to try to hold on towards the end of the year with not only, you know, reigning, you know, uh, pit winner uh, Alex Pillow, but then you have Scott Dixon uh, in, in your corner as well. You know, I can't think of two better guys uh, to have that are going to, you know, 
I, I can talk to uh, down the stretch being Correct. the uh, points leader. Or two guys that, and listen, they're probably both going to be right there in the points championship with them. But so long, if it's Power and Newgarden, for example, that are the guys chasing him down, down the home stretch, Erickson's got the points lead. You know darn well that, that Pelo and Dixon are going to be up there towards the front in races, and they serve as pretty nice buffers, right? To even, hey, get in front of Power and slide him from finishing third to fourth in this race or fourth, you know, every point's critical. And to have those guys, if they're not mathematically in it, which they may well be, but if they are not, to have those guys in the final race working as a buffer for you, huge advantage. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch down the stretch uh, the, the games that are going to be played uh, between both, uh, you know, Team uh, Penske and uh, Chip Ganassi racing, uh, respectively. Uh, you did touch on uh, Alex Pillow, and I, and I can't go without uh, bringing this up. What a whirlwind last two weeks uh, Alex Pillow has had. I know news comes out of basically nowhere uh, about a week or so ago. Um, what, what do you, what do you, what do you sense? What, what are you getting? I know you have, uh, you know, some inside sources, uh, but what, what's your take on, on what, uh, Alex, what, what's happening? You know, when I saw it all, Derek come down with Alex Pillow, I mean, I like everybody else was, you know, I initially got the email from Ganassi racing that Pillow was retained. And of course my first thought was, well, of course, I mean, why wouldn't they pick up his option? Um, and then later that night I was out running an errand and I'm, I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm like, wait, wait what is this? And I read what Pelot said. My first thought, my first initial reaction was that Ganassi Racing got wind of the fact that Alex Pelot was talking to another team. And that as a result of that, they went ahead and publicly came out to say that they'd picked up his option kind of as a first strike or a line in the sand, so to speak. And I think one of two things took place here. And initially what I thought absolute with certainty took place was that Chip Ganassi realized that Alex Pillow probably had a weird language in his contract that exercised an out and that he exercised that out and was leaving to go to Aero McLaren SP. But then, of course, you have that weird nuance. The tweet didn't come from Aero McLaren SP. It came from McLaren F1. Same team, different umbrellas. Now, Initially, what I assumed was that Chip, who's a very savvy biz businessman, uh, very savvy, I should say, businessman, my, my assumption was that Chip Ganassi saw that this was coming down the pike and thought, you know what, we're going to go ahead and put this line in the sand so that if he wants to go to McLaren, that's fine, but they're going to have to buy out his contract. And it felt to me like that was all that was, was a power play of, they can write us a check for $5 million, $2 million, whatever it would be. And I think as time has passed, I, I think what actually took place, and with that assumption, by the way, under that scenario, what I anticipated was that Alex Pillow probably would spend next season. My assumption is, I don't know this, but Ganassi was so adamant, and one Ganassi official was so adamant to me that, hey, Alex Pillow is under contract for 2023, period, with the team. He is signed with the team. He is under contract. My assumption is, Derek, that that contract probably says – so long as he is an IndyCar driver, he is under contract in the property of Chip Ganassi. I think what, at that point, what I assumed was that Zach Brown and, and McLaren was basically saying one of two things. Either, you know what, we're just going to put this out there and, and we'll buy him out. We'll, we'll cut a check and we'll just take him. Or the other was that he would run, like, say, the, because you notice with Felix Rosenquist, who was assumed was going to be in the Formula E series for them and that Pelot was car number three for the IndyCar series. They haven't said, they haven't confirmed where Rosenquist is going. So at that point, I thought, you know what? The other scenario is that McLaren says, you know what? Pelot is going to test our Formula One car for us. He's going to run the Formula E series, and Rosenquist is going to be our third car in the IndyCar season, IndyCar series next year, and therefore, he's not breaching contract at all. Because if he's under contract to drive IndyCar for Chip Ganassi, fine. He just won't drive IndyCar for the year. And then at that point, the contract opens up and they can put them wherever they want. But as more time has gone on, Derek, what I think is the case, and, and Nathan Brown had a good article about this in the Star. I think what happened, quite frankly, I don't know this, but in connecting dots, I think it's entirely possible of this. I think Alex Pillow hitched his wagon to a marketing and business team that probably is very good at what they do, but doesn't have a lot of experience in terms of the contractual dealings with IndyCar. 
And I think they misread the fine print. I know that sounds really crazy. I know that sounds pretty unbelievable. And I know it sounds almost basically so elementary that there's no way it can be that simple. But while we sit there and grasp at the algebraic equations that led to this storyline, I think it may just be that two plus two equals four and somebody else thought that it was two plus two equals five. I think that's entirely possible. And if that's the case, then Alex blows in a pickle and his business. I don't know that. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus or say anybody is 100% culpable, but I think that that is a possibility now. You know, it's an interesting point that you bring up about um, Alex Pillow testing uh, in Formula E next year and then running IndyCar because I've thought the same thing that can he do? My question is, can he, and, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, can he do both or is that just too much scheduling? Yeah, I think he can. I mean, well, I think that it would be testing in a Formula One car on the dates when Formula E, he didn't have to be in the car. I mean, I think that's what they would do. I can tell you this, though. If the one thing that he would miss would certainly be the Indianapolis 500. If, if Aero McLaren SP or simply McLaren wants Alex Pillow within their property in 2023, then that is coming at the cost of him running an IndyCar event unless there's a buyout. If he is contractually bound to Chip Ganassi, I'm assuming that that contract says so long as he runs an IndyCar event, it has to be in a Chip Ganassi car in 2023, meaning the Indianapolis 500. For example, he wouldn't be able to do a one-off because that's an IndyCar event. So that would be my assumption is that they can put him, Derek, wherever they want. I mean, if they said, listen, we're going to enter into the arena of uh, Sri Lankan tricycle racing for the year. Uh, sure. Great. Enter a team, paint a tricycle, papaya orange and send them out there. They can do that. I, I'm assuming. But if it is an IndyCar sanctioned event and an IndyCar vehicle, he cannot be in it unless it's for Chip Ganassi in 2022. That much we know. That much we know is that, and I was surprised that there was, you know, that Zach Brown came out and said, you know, I, I didn't actually look at his Ganassi contract. I assume because his management company said that he is available, that he is. There might be a hitch there. That remains to be seen. And, and that was something else. Um, I was speaking with some people today, one person that uh, listens to you on a regular basis. And, and I, I brought up the fact that what if his contract wasn't read, as you said, that fine print? And they didn't see that that uh, team option that Chip Ganassi had that not only did Chip Ganassi sign, but Alex Pillow signed, you know, a few years ago. They missed they didn't see that. And, you know, they've given Alex, uh, you know, bad information because no one's seen it at the time. I, I, that's a good possibility as well. You know, I, I will tell you this. I guess I can say this now. I don't it's not a place that I'm employed anymore. In a past life of mine, in a past job. I had a contract that was a two-year contract with a third-year employer option, meaning that after two years, my employer could come and decide whether or not they wanted to make that contract a three-year instead of a two-year contract. I signed it. I was under agreement to it. And about three months into the first year of the contract, they came to me and said, we can tell you right now, we're going to pick up your third-year option. Okay, great. I mean, the good news is then that means I have job security now. I'm under a contract for three years instead of two. And they came to me and said, so we're going to go ahead and revise the contract for you to sign. And I said, I already signed it. I signed a two-year deal. You are simply changing the terminology at the bottom of the contract to make it a three-year deal. Said, yeah, yeah. But the way that corporate likes to do it is to go ahead and have you sign altogether a new document. So they sent it over to me. I sent it to my attorney and said, can you look at this? And he said, everything on here is the exact same. Do you want me to change anything? If you want any changes to your contract, we might as well do it now. So I... I changed the length of the buyout, the severance buyout on the contract in the event that the contract was not upheld. And they, I sent it back to them, signed, and they signed it. So whether or not they looked over it and knew that they just changed, agreed to a changed term that I signed, I don't know. But I know that the contract, from the financial standpoint, there ended up having to be a buyout on the contract, and they had to give me a greater amount than what they had originally agreed to because I had that changed, and they signed and agreed to that. Is it possible that somewhere along the way, Alex Pillow had changes put into the contract that Ganassi signed off and agreed to during that exercise of an option that they were unaware that were made by his business team? I can't rule that out. I've done it. I don't know that. And that's maybe way, way, way esoterically inside baseball to say, but I think anything is a possibility. Anything is a possibility. Yeah, it'll definitely interesting to hear one day if that ever uh, comes out what uh, what aspired 
uh, in that uh, short little time frame there uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, finishing up uh, Toronto, mm -hmm. I heard I heard that you had an interesting plane ride on the way home from uh, from yeah. Toronto. Uh, I was lucky. I did. It was fun. Um, I was a late addition to Toronto. I wasn't initially supposed to go there. Uh, we drove. I drove with Michael Young, my coworker, on the way to Toronto, um, which was cool, and would have normally had no problem at all driving back because of the fact that we were such late additions to the roster. The, the commercial flights were pretty outrageous. So I didn't have a problem with that, except for that I do a morning show. I had some things work-wise that I had to be back for. I couldn't run the risk of getting held up. I couldn't run the risk of getting back at four in the morning and having to be up at six. So I had a very busy day on Monday. So um, I sought several different ways to find out if I could buy a seat on one of the charters to come home. And it turned out that um, Graham Rahal had an open seat on a plane that he had um, you know, secured for he himself, his father, Bobby Rahal, and Jack Harvey. And then I was the not fitting at all um, fourth leg, fourth wheel, if you will. Uh, but it was cool. They were great guys. We had fun. We had good conversation. Um, I actually read a little bit and did some stuff while they talked business. I didn't want to interfere with that. I mean, I know, listen, they were kind enough to bring me along. So I knew that I had to respect some of the boundaries that come with it and, and, you know, not, not necessarily listen in to some of the business discussions that were taking place and things they were, you know, debriefing about the race. Um, I respect that. I got a ton of respect for, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting is that Bobby Rahal and Graham Rahal at one point did talk about, you know, just the team in general. And um, Graham is very, you know, from a business standpoint, Graham is very on his own two feet. I mean, he talked about his own business. He was telling his dad about uh, the Rahal performance business that he runs in terms of car performances and his independent businesses that he has started. And, you know, his dad was fascinated by listening to it. But anybody that thinks that Bobby Rahal just handed the keys to Graham Rahal has got a long time coming because he's a sharp guy. Uh, and it was fascinating to listen to those two talk about those sorts of things. Jack Harvey and I were just kind of sitting there like, yeah, man, you want to talk about Benny Hill or something? Because they're way over our head at this point, right? But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was definitely nice to see uh, you know, Graham get a top five the way that whole Absolutely. team as a whole has been struggling uh, all year. Uh, glad to see that uh, you know he was able to uh, get out of Toronto with a uh, top five. Uh, also, too, uh, this uh, I was just asked to ask you about a, a customs agent that you maybe had a run-in with in Toronto as well? I wouldn't say run-in. He was a nice guy, but it was funny. Jack Harvey shared this story with me this morning on a radio show. So when we were flying back from Toronto, we stopped in Detroit because we had to stop there. Which, in, When you fly commercially um, or even charter, typically you go through customs in the country that you're leaving. They have American custom border agents there, and you go through the customs there, and then you just fly directly into India or whatever, and you're good to go. Um, that's what's happened for me in the past when we've chartered. But for this particular flight, we were flying along and we thought we were going to, to an area of Michigan where Bobby Rahal was going on vacation. And, you know, we had the windows down and whatnot. And then all of a sudden we land and we, and they come on and like, you guys need to get off the plane real quick. We're like, okay. And so Bobby Rahal was like, ready to go. He's like, all right, guys. And they're like, well, like, where, where are we? I'm like you're in Detroit. Like, what are we doing in Detroit? We're supposed to stop in Detroit. And they said, well, you, you got to go through customs and then we'll go on. Okay, no problem. So this customs agent comes out and Jack Hart, we all hand him our passport and Jack Harvey hands him his passport and his visa, his work visa, because obviously he's a British citizen. Mm -hmm. So his work visa says what he does for a living, obviously, you know, motor, motorsport race car driver, whatever. So the border agent's gone for five, 10 minutes, comes back. And we're all standing there and he's looking at the things. Okay. Uh, Graham Rahal. Okay. That's this guy. Um, Bob Rahal or, you know, here you go. Query. Okay. So he looks at Jack Harvey and he says, does this say that you're a race car driver? Jack Harvey's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a race car driver. And the guy goes, have you ever heard of the Indy 500? And Jack Harvey's like, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've, I've been in it night. Yeah. You know, and he's like, you've been in it. Have you won it? Jack Harvey's like, no, no, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was leading late in the race, but, you know, had a fuel issue or whatever and, you know, had to come in. But, you know, we keep trying. We keep trying. This year was my fourth or whatever, third or whatever. And the guy's like, man, I'll tell you what, like, I'm going to pull for you from now on. Because just to be able to say that I would have met an Indy 500 winner, just be awesome. Absolutely awesome. 
And Jack Harvey's like, yeah, thanks, mate. You know, so the guy turns around and is walking away, like incredulously, like optimistically saying to himself, like Indianapolis 500, that guy runs the Indy 500. And someday I might be able to say that I, I dealt with a guy that won the Indy 500. Man, that'd be cool. And he's just saying it as he walks around. And we're just looking around and I'm like, and Bobby Rahal's just like, you guys ready to get on the plane to go? I'm like, all right. So we just walked on the plane, went off and dropped Bobby Rahal off where he was going on vacation. And then they got me home by like nine o'clock. It was uh, I'll forever be grateful to Graham. It was a lot of fun, but I thought, I thought, man, that poor guy has no idea. He just checked in the 86, 8500 winner. Doesn't even know it, but um, it was cool though. It was a fun trip and I'll always be grateful for those guys bailing me out. Well, yeah. Good to see that you got back at uh, 9 PM instead of 4 AM. No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. When you do All morning right, uh, radio, brother, you gotta, you gotta get home as, as early as you can. Yeah. And I have to correct the record. Um, I, I was corrected by my coworker. Uh, your uh, current co-host in the morning is Kevin Lee, not, uh, Derek, Derek Schultz. I have to Kevin Bowen. Well, okay. I do do a show. You're not wrong, Derek, because I do a show with Derek Schultz on ISC Sports Network. I do a podcast that, that airs on video once a week. Um, and then, so we do that on Mondays. And then I do the morning show on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indy with Kevin Bowen, who was a Colts writer primarily, worked for the mm-hmm. Colts before he, tra- he moved over and became basically the chief writer for 107.5, TheFan.com. No, can't uh, can't fault him for uh, uh, for that, uh, Jake. Before you go, I do need we do need to uh, preview uh, Iowa uh, only doubleheader uh, on the uh, race schedule uh, this year. Obviously, uh, been a couple of years since the IndyCar has stopped at at Iowa. Uh, give us a little bit of insight. A uh, couple of things that uh, fans uh, should be uh, looking and watching for this weekend. Well, I think one of the real keys is, you know, you got to make sure that your car is good in traffic. You know, I mean, qualifying position is probably I think for a lot of tracks, you want to qualify well, because over the course of the race, it's hard to make up spots. I think for Iowa, where you qualify is probably not near as important as how you qualify your car. And by that, I mean, how close your car, how much speed you can find out of your car in traffic, because you're in traffic basically the entire time. Seven, eight, excuse me, seven, eight of a mile. I mean, it's basically a bull ring, right? So you know, you can pull away. I mean, I've seen Joseph Newgarden, you know, the first year that he won there for Red Carpet Racing. I mean, he was just, he just ran away with it. But even when you do that, you don't get many laps of clean track in front of you before you're right back into lap traffic again and putting people a lap down because you're, you know, you're turning basically nearly three laps a minute. So um, that's important. The team that's going to be able to set their car up um, and, and have the right feel and the right, right balance in that is important. But the other important thing is to keep it clean because you got to race the next night. I mean, we're talking about on Saturday, you got to race, turn around and race again on Sunday. So um, it's going to be hot. Physical conditioning comes into play with that mental fatigue comes into play. Um, and so there are a lot of, a lot of curveballs that go into this race, but I, I think what it's going to come down to is probably as much as any racetrack that we go to the combination of driver strategist and engineer an engineer this race may be as big as any because you're constantly trying to find that sweet spot where your car feels okay and you're comfortable going on the high line there's a bump in turn in turn two at iowa when they go it's where the tunnel is they it, it can it can get bumpy that can irritate the balance of your car so there are a lot of curveballs that come into play but listen high v's done an unbelievable job as the sponsor i haven't been there yet obviously but i know they've got a ton of activity going on they got four different concerts going on they're going to put up a grocery store at the track itself. They're going to be, deliver groceries to your campsite if you're camping there. Um, Hy-Vee decided to grow their brand name outside the state of Iowa and let people know who they are for places like Indianapolis where they're moving now with a store in Zionsville. And they selected IndyCar as the platform to get their name out there. And I think race fans are going to be thrilled they did. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. All I've seen on social media, uh, what what Hyvie has done uh, by building their brand specifically uh, in uh, to IndyCar is just been absolutely uh, phenomenal. So I think you're absolutely right there, uh, Jake. I know we got to let you go. Obviously, you got a busy uh, few days ahead of yeah. you. Uh, for people that uh, don't already follow you on social media, shame on them if they don't. Uh, where can they find you at? Uh, at Jake Query. That's J A K E. It's my first name. Q-U-E-R-Y. I think you actually have it scrolling like right here below me. In just a second, you're going to see it. Um, at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y. And then um, also our morning show, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. That can be heard, obviously, on TuneIn Radio and things like that. But the YouTube channel is Bo, uh, Kevin and Query and, or just The Fan, 107.5, The Fan. That's the easiest thing to remember, 107.5, The Fan. If you want to listen to it, uh, we'd be happy to have you. 
yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, go go check him out. Go check out him, the work that uh, he does. Uh, it is absolutely uh, off the charts. But uh, Jake, again, huge thank you for carving some time out of My your pleasure, busy man. schedule to uh, to join us. And I will see you at uh, IMS uh, at the end of the week or end of the week, uh, end um, of the month. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll be in Nashville as well. So we'll have to uh, connect there as well. Derek, I'm going to give you a little secret here, but don't tell anybody. Okay. Okay. Um, I would make time for you even if I was, but I'm not really that busy. Only in the morning time, right? Morning time and race weekends. Other than that, man, I'm happy to do it anytime. Yeah, but you know what? You got a family to take care of too, so that takes up all your time when you're not. I got a girlfriend. Way. I got a girlfriend and two dogs. See, right? look at that. see, you're, you're a dog guy. What can you say? Surprised you didn't hear Joey and Kobe upstairs running around barking. But I'll go you know play what? with them now. On, honestly, didn't he didn't hear a sound, but that's good. I uh, like that. Uh, Jake, again, huge thank you for joining us, and we'll we'll talk down the road. All right, my man, be good. Yeah, you too. That was Jake Query. Go check him out on social media, and go check out uh, the race on uh, Saturday and Sunday. He'll be calling him, Mark James, and the rest of the crew there on the IndyCar Radio Network. Uh, for anyone that is paying attention to the time. Everybody knows what time it is. You want to win some scratch this weekend? Well, I have the guy for you. Uh, Mike of Bet IndyCar is joining us as always. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, as always, a huge thank you for carving some time out of your day uh, as well to uh, to join us. And I know everyone is sitting on edge uh, to uh, know how you did last week. Last week we won money. So uh, me and, uh, you know, hopefully we paid for uh, your peacock uh subscription last week uh we hit a winner um with dixon last week kind of worked out you know would have made more money if, if her to win but i'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and I'll, I'll take profitable week uh the graham ray hall top five was a great bet um that came in um had the entire top three uh and uh had a felix uh a couple of him and a couple matchups as well and and had dixon at five to uh five and a half six to one winner uh, depending on where you got it. So I uh, only had two to win bets uh, last week uh, and they were for Herta uh, and Dixon and Dixon, Dixon hit it and still had the Herta top three come in. So yeah, last week was great. Uh, you know, we paid for those Peacock subscriptions going forward. So hopefully uh, everybody listened and, and followed along. There were a lot of tickets that we saw on Twitter, which was great. Uh, uh, I, know, I know one guy listened to us and listened to Tony and I on the spaces, Twitter spaces before the race and put a bet on Dixon uh, and made a ton of money. So that, that's awesome to see. And then hopefully it got a couple more fans. You know, it's all about growing the sport and getting more uh, more uh, engagement around IndyCar and IndyCar betting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I know we talked about how tough uh, it was, um, you know, handicapping uh, Toronto uh, with not being there for the last couple of years, only having a handful of drivers, uh, having any, but any type of experience uh, there at all. And one that we talked about uh, that did have experience but was in kind of a funk uh, as you said, the aforementioned uh, Scott Dixon, you know, uh, drought, what drought? Uh, but uh, Dixon was able to uh, pull it out. I know how excited you were about that. Uh, but you did talk about, too, the run that Graham Rahal had. That had to be uh, exciting, seeing him uh, finish in the top five. Yeah, look, I thought we handic we nailed it on our handicap. We talked about uh, wanting to bet the uh, the veterans at the track. We talked about the fact that qualifying was going to matter. Uh, it wasn't going to be... Uh, you, you couldn't run through the field like you did in uh, in uh, mid-Ohio or some of the open road courses. Um, it was going to be tough to pass. It was going to be sort of like St. Pete, and it played out just like we thought. So uh, when the handicap comes uh, – when handicap hits like that, then normally, you know, we're going to make some money. So uh, it, it was fun. It was a fun race to bet. It was a fun race to watch. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it turned out to be a, a profitable one. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I was able actually, I, I listened for a little bit, as you've seen in your uh, uh, your spaces right before the race on Sunday. And then I listened to a little bit before uh, coming on tonight. But uh, moving to uh, the double weekend this weekend in Iowa, I know this has to be uh, a little bit uh, tougher, obviously, as Toronto was as well with the IndyCar not being in Iowa since uh, 2020. So uh, again, another just a handful of drivers uh, have a little bit of experience. Um, but I, I thought Tony asked an interesting question uh, in spaces talking about, are you paying more attention to the first race on Saturday or are you, you know, putting all of your uh, allotted bankroll uh, into a Sunday? Yeah. So uh, my response to that is, you know, I'm going to do my best to follow my own advice, but the way that I uh, have found this to work in the past, we've had dual in Detroit, we've had dual Iowa races, uh, what I think the most optimal thing to do and the way I like to play it is 
you know, I'd like to say like, if you, let's say your bankroll is a hundred bucks a race, just whatever number you have per race that you put out there for your bankroll. Um, you know, I'd actually take uh, half of what you were going to put in the first race and dump it all into the second race. So make the second race, you know, have, you know, almost 150% of your bankroll and the other 50% uh, from the two races just on the first race. And then look, you pay attention, you watch the race. If you're a fan, uh, the sports books aren't watching these races. I'm, I'm fairly confident in saying that um, we can take advantage of this qualifying format. Uh, you know, you just had Jake on. We can watch the cars who are good in traffic. The races are about at the same time. They're close to the same length. So there are some factors there. Uh, maybe we can see, you know, a guy that's maybe coming on at the end of the race and take advantage of that in the second race. So uh, the plan is going to be to save uh, more money for the second race and kind of roll some of the extra bankroll to the second race, take it easy the first race a little bit, pick and choose uh, the bets I want to make, but to watch, pay attention to practice, really pay attention to what happens in that first race, uh, and then see, uh, you know, usually in these duels, you get some really good betting numbers, and the sportsbooks make some mistakes with matchups and and uh, and betting lines for sure. Now, from the, the research uh, aspect, I know we talked about how tough it was for you um, with, uh, with Toronto having such limited data. Now, is that the same? Are, are you finding the same thing here with with Iowa? With obviously, you know, being on a two year hiatus uh, from the Iowa Speedway, are you finding the same roadblocks uh, research wise as you did with Toronto? So yes and no. So the cool thing about IndyCar, right? We race on three different types of tracks: road, street, oval. Well, when it comes to betting, and the betting is three different types of betting. Honestly, the road and street fairly similar, but in oval betting, um, you know. It's qualifying doesn't matter. You know, when you're betting an IndyCar, uh, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can uh, to try to find who's going to qualify well before, uh, you know, and bet them before qualifications and get a really good number. In Oval, you know, we saw a winner come from last to first. If you look at the results, it doesn't really matter where you start in this race. If you slip up in qualifying, it's not the end of the world, uh, which means that you can bet a lot of these long shots. You can bet some big numbers. This is where, you know, Oval betting is where you're going to find your 20 to 1, your 30 to 1. Maybe even your 50 to one winners in any car, um, whereas you're not going to, you know, most of the time in street courses, if you're betting after qualifications, you know, every guy in the top 10 is going to be under 10 to one for the most part, uh, unless it's something weird. Uh, and most times, you know, most of the times, 90 something percent of the races are going to come from somewhere in the top six, top eight drivers, um, depending on the race and if there's, you know, fuel strategies involved. But um, yeah, so the oval betting is a little bit different animal. So uh, you're going to have some big numbers. You're going to bet it a little bit differently. Yeah, you do. You know, the handicap, the research, you know, the yes part is the research is there. Like I, I've already made a bet. Uh, I had planned to make this bet months ago. Uh, Joseph has got my four to one money right off the bat. He, you know, I, I'm, I feel pretty good in that saying. I feel, I feel like he's got a better than a four to one chance uh, to win both these races or at least one of these races. So, you know, I may, that may be my only to win ticket going in um to the first race um we'll see what kind of matchups and top fives and top threes we get but uh the rest of the bets are gonna be you know most mostly the long shots and the bigger numbers is i'm looking to try to get something big this weekend and try to find those guys that are going to come in the top five that are you know seven eight nine ten eleven twelve to one I, I did notice uh, when you put out, when you tweeted out earlier today, uh, the first lines that came out, you know, no surprise that uh, Joseph Newgarden uh, was at the top of that list. Yeah, the guy's dominated this track. I mean, he's, I don't even know, I, I, I can't quote this. It's like 100 plus laps led and, and uh, he ran away with it that one year. He's always in the top. Um, you know, I expect him, he knows how to drive this track. It's, it's all about, you know, saving your tires, saving the fuel. And you notice, uh, this is another track where the veterans rule as well. Like I'm, I do plan on trying to pick on, uh, some of the rookies, uh, and especially some of the, I think it makes a difference, the short ovals versus the super speedways. Uh, I may pick on Jimmy Johnson again this week. Like I think, you know, while I think, uh, his NASCAR, uh, prowess and history helped him on the Texases and the Indianapolis 500, you know, the super speedway tracks of the world. Uh, this is going to be a different ball game, uh, being in an Indy car on a short track. And, you know, I could be wrong there. That one I'm, I'm 50, 50. I'm going to wait and see how he does in practice, but yeah, I'm going to be picking on Grosjean. I'm going to be picking on Kayla Millot and, uh, you know, the Lucas and Devlin and those guys, uh, for sure. If I can find, if you notice the top of leaderboards, uh, from the, the two prior races that are the, Two years ago, the Iowa doubleheader, it's Pagano, it's Will, it's Scott. You know, Scott's got a million top threes here. I'll be looking to grab his top three, top five number, especially if it's plus money. Uh, again, because, you know, he's 
He's got a ton of second place finishes. So it's your veterans. It's your guys that know how to save tires, know how to know when to push, know when not to push, know when, know how to stretch the fuel windows out. So, you know, those are the guys that I'll be looking to target this week. Yeah. We're, we're as, as always just seems like we are definitely on the, the same page. Cause also I do like uh new garden in, in fantasy, uh, Scott Dixon and will power uh, as well. That is some of the people that I actually uh, definitely uh, favor uh, this weekend. Uh, I do have a question from a, a listener though, and I was going to get to this anyway, but uh, who would be a good long shot uh, dark horse uh, to, uh, uh, to bet on? Yeah. So, uh, so the guys that burn out bets, Tony, and and uh, even even some other people on Twitter have been trying to get me to bet Connor Daly for for uh, races upon races, and I'm I'm just not seeing it. Uh, I may it may be time to take the leap. He's sixty six to one in some books. I've seen him a little higher in other places. Uh, his top five is actually what I like at seven to one. Uh, his podium I think was fifteen to one. Um, so you know he's he's a guy that caught my eye. He he got a pull here. He needs to get better during the race, managing traffic, managing tires. He can turn a fast lap. That's for darn sure uh, when he's out there qualifying. So I expect him to qualify well. We'll see, you know, how he does in a different, you know, different car and a carpenter car. Uh, the other one was Ray Hall. You know, uh, I talked about this on the Twitter spaces. You know, he's he's at 33 to one. Um, that's a lot higher than he was uh, the last race. He's got some top fives here. Um, you know, maybe some momentum coming off the last race and you know, Ray Hall's got a lot into this race. The only reason this track is, I believe, on the schedule is because of Ray Hall uh, and Hyvee and the ties there and how that all worked out. So um, you want to go real crazy, you can grab Harvey. Uh, I know he's been miserable this year, um, but he's been miserable on the street and road courses. Uh, he he didn't do too bad. He's got some decent finishes uh, and some decent placement points here. So uh, I saw Harvey at 150 to 1, 201, um, you know. That might be a couple bucks, five bucks or less, you know, at, at, at that kind of number. But Ray Hall, uh, Daly, those are the ones of the longer shots that caught my eye. I've seen Pagano in different places at 20 to 1, 18 to 1. He he came here from last to first in a Penske car. I think that makes it that's that's vastly important. The engineering, the aero screen, you know, he's using the same information that that uh, New Garden is using. So, um, you know, that's a little short. He's getting a little bump for his history. But, yeah, those longer numbers are Ray Hall and, and Connor got my eye. Yeah, I definitely like your your call there on uh, on Ray Hall. I'm actually in the camp of a sleeper. All three of the uh, Ray Hall cars, uh, Graham, uh, Christian Lungard, and Jack Harvey. Uh, I definitely like them on the, the fantasy side. And then you touched on Simon Pagano. Um, I like the the Meyer Shank uh, for fantasy purposes uh, this weekend as well. Now, when it comes to Connor Daly, I for some reason I just have this this feeling, and I don't know what it is that I'm fading. Uh, the the our Ed Carpenter cars this weekend. I, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I just don't. Like I said, until Daly can show me some improvement, I'm going to have to disagree with Tony strongly. Yeah, you know, I I like Connor Daly. I think he's good for the sport. Uh, you know, but when it comes to racing and results, you know, he's a guy that I don't. I usually do fade. I don't bet on. If there's ever a, a race or a type of race, you know, the Indy 500 is one where he's obviously you know, spend some time up front. He does better on the ovals. He's definitely a better oval racer, I think, than a, a road course specialist. And he's never had good car. You know, he's never had the engineering and the, the money behind him. But, um, you know, T5, I don't think is is totally unrealistic for him um, in one of these races. You know, it's not a, it's a very small bet, if anything. But, you know, if there was ever a race for me to think about it, you know, I'll, I'll see how, I am curious to see how the Carpenter cars practice um tomorrow and and uh you know i don't think their numbers will move too much just based on on practice times but if they come off fast and they're sitting in the top five in practice then uh you know it might be worth uh putting a little couple bucks on them yeah definitely going to be worth the uh, watch this weekend with a uh, double header uh for sure uh mike what's the rest of your schedule for this weekend going to look like uh, people be uh you know looking at your uh, twitter for your latest lines and then i know you do you and tony at uh, burnout sports do a uh, twitter spaces are you going to be doing one for saturday and sunday or or what's the uh, schedule yet or is that yet to be determined yeah, well, Tony's at the race, so I guess it depends on how many cocktails Tony's had and if he's a, <laughs> if uh, Tim McGraw stops singing. I wish I was out there. It sounds like, you know, while it's going to be hot, I don't mind the heat. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, you know, if they, the only thing I, I was going to say they're missing, you know, Iowa, Iowa is legal, is a legal state for uh, sports betting. They need the, uh, 
they need the high V Caesar Sportsbook uh, out there in the campsite. Like, you know, I'd be all about going there for that. Maybe next, maybe next year we can like, uh, once we get this betting thing uh, going even more, we can, we can get the sports book out there. They got seem to have everything else. They got the grocery store. They got, uh, they got all the, the decks. So we need, just need a sports book. So um, yeah, uh, we'll be doing, we're going to try to do some spaces. Keep an eye. Uh, we'll definitely probably do one Sunday, um, Saturday, you know, it depends on Tony's schedule. I'll try to get on there. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not there, so I'm free. So, uh, and they'll be tweeting out as we see matchups and bets and I'll tweet the card for both races, uh, on Twitter. And then if anybody's got questions, they can just, you know, shoot them my way on Twitter. I keep an eye on it and, uh, I'd be happy to answer those questions, but yeah. Um, you know, right now, just one thing before we go, I did, we did talk about some bets on the spaces that we like. There's one bet out there that we think, uh, that's very interesting. And it's, uh, Caesars has got, uh, winning manufacturer. And, uh, I don't know if you saw that. Um, but without me even telling you, who do you think is the favorite, uh, winning manufacturer Chevy or Honda? Well, I can tell you that I did not see it. So I'm, I'm guessing, obviously I got a 50, 50 chance at this. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Chevy. So Honda, they got listed as the favorite, um, you know, numbers matter, right? So I always tell you guys like betting is all about numbers. Sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, there's the drivers involved, but you got to get the best number. It's about getting the right kind of number. Um, if you want to be, you know, make money long-term and, uh, yeah, so it's Honda's the favorite at minus 135, and Chevy's actually plus money. Not a lot. It's almost even money, just plus 105. Uh, but to me, that's backwards. Um, I think Chevy should be the favorite, and I think that's uh, that's a mistake on their part. So I think that's a really good number um, and something I would grab. I mean, like I said, uh, the only car, you know, I worry, Dixon is obviously a Honda, but um, not only, you know, do you get Joseph with the Chevy, you get, you know, you get the Carpenter cars, you get, uh, Pato, uh, who obviously has been fast here before. He's another guy, uh, that's at the top of the odds board. Um, mostly the top of the odds board is scattered with Chevys. You get power, obviously you get the whole Penske crew. Um, so, you know, the rain hall callers, you know, there, there's a couple of good Honda cars in the mix. I'm not really worried about Pelot. I'm not really worried about Herta. Um, I don't, you know, Andretti doesn't have great history at these tracks. So, um, you know, I, I'd, uh, I, I like the Chevy bet. Um, and I'm surprised it's plus money. I think it would be should be the other way around. So that's something that caught my eye. If it's available to you, I know Caesars is in Iowa for people that are out there. That uh, you know, when you're out there at the race, there's gonna be 35,000 people. Sign up on their app. I think you can get like a. They're doing a big. You can take advantage of promotions out there, and you can uh, make some bets and enjoy the race. Yeah, definitely, uh, Mike. Always uh, good stuff. And uh, you know, as he said, uh, uh, if you can uh, take advantage of that. Uh, uh, bet there between the manufacturers because I definitely like where uh, Mike's head is at uh, when it comes to that. But uh, again, a uh, huge thank you uh, for joining us as always. Uh, for people that don't already follow you on social media, uh, where can they find you at to uh, win some scratch this weekend and beyond? Yeah, at Indy underscore bet uh, is where I'm going to be at on, on Twitter and you guys can get me there and I'll uh, I'll try to pump out as much information. It's all it's going to stay pretty much betting related to any car is what I stay in my lane with. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me and uh, happy to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Good, uh, good stuff. Always putting out the good information. Um, always keeping track of what you're putting out on Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mike uh, Caesars isn't going to put up how many cocktails uh, Tony's going to have this weekend and over under, will they? Uh, no, uh, there, there wasn't over under on how many times I was going to tell people to bet Joseph. I think I stayed under, even though I said take the over. Um, you know, like I said, I, Joseph, if you're going to just – if you're a person that's just going to make one bet, um, just bet Joseph to win each race and root it on um, is what I would probably tell you to do. Unless unless we see something crazy in the first race or in qualifying and they just come out really slow or something weirds going on, um, the guy dominates here. He really, in my opinion, should have been – honestly two to one three to one i think you know i think he wins one out of every three races there um that we've ever had there or he's ever had in the, in the air so um i think that's a a good a good place and if he didn't win his teammate one that probably had his package um so you know that's probably what i would do but yeah we'll uh we'll see well hopefully we'll get some twitter spaces you know i might have a couple cocktails in me saturday by the time the race comes through so that might be a fun one we might be uh we're throwing some some cash around <laughs> 
<laughs> Sounds good. I, again, a huge thank you for carving time out of your busy schedule uh, to join us. Definitely look forward to uh, having you on 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 Thursday nights, and uh, we'll uh, we'll do this again uh, in about a week or so, uh, seeing uh, how uh, how much money you rake in this weekend that to uh, spend at the uh, road course next weekend. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. Yep. Thank you. Uh, again, huge thank you to uh, Mike for joining us as always. Uh, don't forget to go check him out on social media. Uh, if you are, if you want to be in the business of winning some money, some cash this weekend, some scratch, uh, as the uh, kids like to say, uh, then definitely go uh, go check him out on on social media and uh, follow uh, what uh, what bets he uh, puts out there for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for another episode of the Push to Pass podcast. A uh, huge thank you to everyone that uh, tuned in uh, live and that for people that will tune in and watch this uh, replay for the days and weeks to come. Uh, also, huge thank you to both uh, Jake Query of uh, IndyCar Radio Network uh, for joining us. If you can't uh, watch the race this weekend or races uh, this weekend, uh, make sure you check them out on IndyCar Radio Network. And then, as always, huge thank you to Mike from Bet IndyCar on Twitter, at Indy underscore Bet. Go check that out. Go give that a follow. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, huge thank you for everyone that is that is tuning in and watching or that will tune in. Uh, that does it, and we will see you at the next show. <laughs>